Hello and welcome to the Leadership Institute's Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. North Carolina Representative Mark Meadows was the speaker for the June 2019 Breakfast, recorded live every first Wednesday of the month here at the Stephen P.J. Wood Building in Arlington, Virginia. Representative Meadows spoke about his resistance to running for office, his experience in Congress, and the creation of the Freedom Caucus. So get some preserves on your bagel and take a sip of your Americano, because you're listening to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. Are you looking to launch your career? Do you want to gain real, professional experience while sharpening your media skills? Then apply today to be a studio's intern here at the Leadership Institute. As a studio's intern, you'll master Adobe programs and get behind-the-scenes access to media professions across the board. Just go to leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. That's leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. Well, good morning. It is great to be with you, uh, Sophia. I mean, with your resume, I think you need to be giving the speech, not me. Uh, I Thank you for the introduction, Morton. Uh, it is always good to be with you and the Leadership Institute. Candidly, uh, you know, it, there's not a lot of places in Washington, D.C. that uh, I get the kind of response that I got this morning. So I, I just want to say thank you. And uh and I'm here, Morton is right, I'm here to balance out all the things that you heard from Jim Jordan last month. Uh, somebody asked, you know, do you and Jim Jordan, are you actually, you know, just colleagues? Are you friends? Uh, do you just go on Fox with Hannity together all the time? What's the story? And actually, uh, Jim is my, my uh, one of my dear friends and, and certainly my best friend in Congress. Uh, we, we actually... Uh, uh, text and, and talk, uh, even when we're not here in session. Uh, I, I want uh, my chief of staff, Paul Fitzpatrick, is here uh, somewhere right over here. Uh, Paul's been with me, used to be with Family Research Council. And then uh, uh, Mallory Rasher. Actually, uh, Mallory is my scheduler. And for those of you that do not understand uh, the role of a scheduler, is they basically are the gatekeeper for every. I can't go to the bathroom without asking permission from my scheduler. She actually, uh, you know, she actually schedules everything. And so the reason why I'm here this morning is for Mallory. And I and I I want to highlight it because I've got a little bit of a story that I want to share, and then we'll open it up for questions. As uh, hopefully I can be an encouragement to you this morning. But I want to share with Mallory because Mallory uh, is is a short timer. And I say a short timer because uh, actually she's getting promoted. Uh, she's uh, going to work in the administration uh, with Ken Cuccinelli. And so she's been my scheduler. And uh, so another stalwart conservative. And, uh, and so, Mallory, we're going to miss you. And, uh, and you made me cry the other day when you... Uh, so. Um, but I also want to encourage all of you, and, and I guess what I would love to do is tell two quick stories about how uh, God can take people from being really a nobody from North Carolina and actually use uh, me and others uh, to accomplish His will and accomplish things that I had not even dreamed of. Sophia was talking about the fact that we were 
uh, a part of getting Miriam Ibrahim released from a Sudanese prison. If you don't remember the story, she was actually uh, chained to, uh, to the prison floor. She was pregnant. Uh, she was chained to the floor in Sudan because she would not denounce her Christian faith. And, uh, and I was a freshman at the time, and uh, you know it, it started hitting, and my wife nudged me and said, Honey, you have to do something about it. Well, uh, as a freshman member of Congress, you have all the power uh, of absolutely nothing. And, uh, and so I said, but honey, you know, who am I? And, and yet, uh, to make a very long and interesting story short, uh, we, we played a role in making sure that not only was she released from that Sudanese prison, because she was sentenced to death, uh, the, she had a death uh, sentence and actually she was to be punished and uh, and whipped before uh, a death sentence and yet uh, here she was she actually gave birth while she was in prison and uh, I had the privilege and the honor of actually welcoming her to uh, the United States and holding that baby in my arms and so if God is not good uh, I can tell you he's he's very faithful and, and so I just wanted to share that, but also share that how, what happens is, is with your willingness to get involved and stay involved, um, great things can happen. The Leadership Institute has been very instrumental, and, and I share, I, I open up with Mallory because I want to share another story of another scheduler that uh, when I was a freshman member of, of Congress, um, I actually found, you know, when you're a freshman, you know, you're in the bottom of the food, uh, the food chain. I mean, you know, everybody else, you know, they get all the senior folks and they, uh, and yet I was blessed to be able to get some of the best people and uh, was there as a, as a freshman and, and Morton sent over a group of interns and he sent over a group of interns to, uh, to my office and, and actually at that particular time, there was a person that I had never met before that worked for the Leadership Institute, Eliza Thurston. Uh, actually, Eliza was bringing over this group of interns and, and asking me to encourage, to encourage these conservative activists and tell them that indeed that what they do matters. And my, my challenge to you this morning is what you do does matter, and it makes a difference, not only in the ballot box, but it makes a difference on campuses, it makes a difference in Washington, D.C., it makes a difference in the public square. But that particular person uh, came, I'd never met her before, she was, you know, very professional. The good thing is, they come, she came in, got out, was able to organize all these young people, and so I, I had a job opening for a scheduler, and uh, I said, well, you know, Morton does a good job of training individuals, and so I stole her from Morton. <laughs> and, uh, and so Eliza came to be my scheduler and actually, uh, actually worked to uh, uh, set up systems and, and candidly helped me throughout that. She went on to be the scheduler for the Secretary of Homeland Security. And, uh, and now is the scheduler for the Vice President of the United States. And so I'm here to tell you that you never know what tomorrow may, uh, may hold. So just like with Eliza and Mallory uh, working up within the administration, uh, I'm here to say that where you are today, if you're an activist, may not be where you are tomorrow. And, uh, and God has a plan for you. And I can tell you that I never 
thought that I would be a member of Congress. In fact, it was never on my bucket list. Uh, uh, I can tell you, I never, I, I didn't like giving speeches. I didn't like uh, getting attention. In fact, I was so, uh, you know, I was, I was so uh, aware that I, I didn't like that, that if I was running late for a college class at school, instead of attracting attention to myself and coming in five minutes late, I would skip the entire class. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, that didn't work great for the GPA, but I, I can tell you that, uh, uh, sometimes we're called to do things that are not comfortable. And yet I was a business guy and had a very successful career. My, my interaction with the Leadership Institute was actually writing checks, supporting others so that they could go do the work, uh, so that they could uh, take on the public square. And, uh, and then I, I felt really a, a calling uh, that I was concerned about the direction of our country. And, and what I was concerned about was that conservatives would not actually come to Washington, D.C., because I had a very good life outside of Washington, D.C. I can tell you that, uh, well, it was a very good life. I'll just leave it at that. And so as we were there, I can remember praying about and talking about whether I uh, wanted to run for office and I was concerned about the direction, but I was more concerned that my neighbors and friends were losing hope on what we knew to be the greatest country on the face of the globe. And so I decided, I can remember the day I called, I, I uh, called my, my wife and I said, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to run for, for Congress. Now, some of you have run for Congress, some of you have run for other offices. Being called to run doesn't necessarily mean that you will win. And... Uh, and, and you know that. Some of you know that all too well, but it's still, it's still the same calling because what we're called to do is be obedient in what we're supposed to do and let the results ultimately take care of themselves. And so that particular day, I called my wife and I said, I, I, don't, I feel like I'm supposed to do it. I don't want to do it. It's not on my bucket list, but I feel like I need to run for Congress. I immediately got physically ill and sick. I had to pull over on the side of the road and throw up. I mean, it was that. that is, I mean, I just, I didn't want it. Are you interested in running for office? Want to work on a campaign? At the Leadership Institute, it is our mission to increase the effectiveness of conservative activists and leaders in the public policy process. We offer over 40 different trainings including campaign management school, on-camera TV trainings, and writing workshops. If you want to make a difference in public policy, visit leadershipinstitute.org. That's leadershipinstitute.org. And yet, um, uh, the people of the 11th District of North Carolina, many of whom I call friends now, uh, gave me the honor of, of representing them. And, and I came up here and I decided that what this place needed was just a deal maker. I was a business guy. I only got paid if I brought two sides together. And, uh, and I, I was very naive. I thought that you came here, you had a good idea, you figured you got some people together, and then all of a sudden, voila, there's a bill and we have conservative. And I knew I could be persuasive, but boy, I didn't realize that you would come head to head with the swamp. <clears throat> and boy, uh, this swamp, I mean, it would suck the life out of people. <clears throat> and, uh, and so there we are. I, I ran into my good friend, Jim Jordan, 
up on the fifth floor of Longworth. So I want to tell you, conservative policy may come from the Leadership Institute. It may come from Heritage. It may come from other places. But it definitely came from the fifth floor of Longworth. Because you had Raul Labrador, Jim Jordan, and Mark Meadows all up there on the fifth floor. He was in the corner. He had a better office. He'd been here longer than I did. I had a, an office the size of a closet. And, uh, and so as we were there, we started to get together. And we started to say, you know, we need to stand up for these conservative values. He says, even Republicans, they come up here and they have the backbone of a banana. You peel it back, it gets all mushy when they get here. And so uh, we felt like that we had had to have uh, a backbone of steel. And so uh, uh, after many, many times uh, of facing defa defeat, and many times the disappointment was not with the Democrats, it was with our own team. You know it. And uh, we created the Freedom Caucus. I remember one Saturday morning... Uh, I called Jim Jordan. I said, Jim, I'm tired of losing. And if we're going to continue to lose, at least I want to lose in an organized fashion. And, uh, and so we called uh, nine different people, Jim and I, and created what is now known as the Freedom Caucus. Uh, and, and I can tell you that, you know, it is only for the warriors, uh, the, the men and women that sign up for the Freedom Caucus. I can tell you that. Uh, you, you don't get invited to all the nice parties. You don't get invited to all the nice dinners. And uh, I'm a good friend from uh, Georgia, you know, she's talking about she's an expert on barbecue. I'm from North Carolina. We, we might have a little bit to say about barbecue. The other thing I want to say is members of Congress get reelected based on the pounds of barbecue they eat. So uh, we get to, to be real experts on barbecue, but... Uh, but I can tell you that it, we stand for freedom in the Freedom Caucus and the Forgotten Man and Woman, and it is a freeing thing to be able to have your allegiance to the people you represent and the Constitution of the United States and not be sucked in by the establishment here in Washington, D.C. And, uh, and so I want to say thank you for standing with us. And I'll close by sharing another true story to maybe give you hope, and then we can get questions about Russia collusion and how many people are going to go to jail and all those kind of things. Uh, I'm sure there may be a question or two about that out there. Um, but here is, here is uh, I'll share this story because uh, we've got a, a president who is willing to fight in ways that candidly I have not seen in in the history of our country. And it is in unconventional ways, and many of you may have, have critiqued his ways, and many of you may have applauded his ways, but I can tell you uh, this president believes in this country and loves this country and wants to make sure that he takes it back from the swamp here in Washington, D.C. He does. So I don't think he would mind me sharing this story. I've shared it before with others. Uh, but early on, uh, I, I can tell you, as a conservative member of Congress, I never got invited to the White House under the Obama administration. I know that might come as a shock to all of you, uh, but I'd never been in the Oval Office. And as a, uh, 
uh, early on in the Trump administration, back in the days of Reince Priebus and, uh, and uh, Mr. Bannon, I actually went in to, uh, to tell them, and I was advocating very strongly for this particular position, and I kept for 25 minutes, I was just going, the president has to do this, and the president has to do that, and just going on and on. And uh, finally, I felt real good. I felt liberate, liberated. I went out, got in the car. My wife was waiting in the car for me, and we took off. Well, we're almost back to our apartment in Old Town, uh, Alexandria, Virginia. And, uh, and the phone rings, and it's Ryan's Priebus. And so Ryan uh, says, Mark, where are you? So, well, I'm almost back to the apartment, about 25 minutes away. He says, well, well, can you come back and tell the president what you just told us? Now, my first thought was, you work for the president. Why don't you tell him? Uh, I had been a little passionate there. And so uh, I, uh, I said, sure, I can come back. And, and I wasn't home yet, so I stopped. And I, I let my wife get a taxi to get the rest of the way back to the apartment. Uh, but she, uh, you know, she's in this. We're in this together. We're called together to, to do this. We'll be married 40 years this September. And uh, so uh, it, don't applaud me. Applaud her. <laughs> Um, but I, I can tell you that, uh, so she went on to the apartment. I turned around, I came in, and I, I came into the Oval Office. First time that I was in the Oval Office, I looked. And actually, the president was not in the Oval Office. He was in this little side office where he does his reading, actually this little side rectangular office right beside the Oval Office. But I come walking through the Oval Office, and he goes, Mark, my favorite congressman. I can tell you at that point, uh, it was right after the health care debate, I was not his favorite congressman. Uh, and, uh, and yet I came in, I, I sat down, and I start passionately telling him the same thing that I told Reince and, uh, and Steve. And he noticed that as I was talking to him, I kept looking down, and then there was this triangle wooden box right there on his, on his desk with a red button right in the middle of it. So I would talk to him, and I would actually go and, you know, make my case, and I kept looking down at this red button. So finally, after me talking to him and looking down, talking to him and looking down, he says, it makes you nervous, doesn't it? <laughs> I lied and said, no, 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 it doesn't make me nervous at all. Uh, and so I'm still talking to him a little bit. So finally, he hits the red button. Well, my eyes get as big as silver dollars. I'm looking for incoming from anywhere. I'm saying it is coming. And out of this closet to my right, opens the door, comes a Marine dressed in full dress uniform, and he sets a Diet Coke right in front of the President of the United States. <laughs> True story. I said, that's pretty neat. <laughs> president says, you want to see it again? <laughs> Boom. Uh, uh, I share that true story because I was there on that particular day to advocate on the, the fact that we needed to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And now we know the rest of the story that indeed this president did exactly that, did exactly what he promised, and he made sure that we moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Everybody, every other president promised it, but this president followed through. And I want to tell you one other thing that you may not have known about. At that particular time, there was a huge whiteboard in the office right next to it. 
And on that whiteboard was every single campaign promise he had made, where he had made it, when he had made it, and he was going down, checking them off one at a time. That's the kind of president we have in the White House. And you, listen, he has taken incoming like no one else. And yet he remains true to check off every campaign promise. So if you would pray for him and make sure that you do that. But I, I share that story not to, because I had a little teeny part. It was just me raising the awareness. Because it was really this president and his administration that did that. But I share it because... I came from the side of the road where I threw up on running for office to be in the Oval Office getting a Diet Coke from a red button that I never knew existed. <laughs> and you too have the same calling on your life. Each one of you have a special, unique calling that is uniquely yours. And so I want to encourage you this morning to perhaps break out and go beyond what is comfortable. Because like me, I had a comfortable job. Break out and perhaps put yourself out there and be per persecuted for times that you stand for the right cause and yet everybody else believes it's the wrong cause. And finally, make sure that when you see the results of what God does, Give him the credit and don't take it for yourself. God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I look forward to your great questions. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to share and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. To listen to more breakfast, head over to the Leadership Institute YouTube channel and to see who our next WWCB speaker is, visit our website at leadershipinstitute.org. The Wednesday Wake Up Club Breakfast Podcast is produced and edited by Alexander Chang with support from Tiffany Roberts and Jared Cummings. Advertisements by Alexander Chang and Christopher Olson. Executive produced by David Fenner and Morton Blackwell.